Welcome to True Alignment. I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. True Alignment podcast live from the Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. It's Monday morning, first day of school here at Regis University for the 18 to 20-year-old undergrads that are coming back. Their parents dropped them off this last week. And we think about all the students coming onto the campus and uh, having been moving in, and here they are, and uh, and those poor parents have to deal with the separation from their from their lovely children. Yeah, we just sent mine off this morning. We loaded the car with my wife and my daughter for a sixteen-hour ride towards Gonzaga University. Shout out to them this morning. Um, she's got a bunch of orientation, and I'll fly in Wednesday to join them for all those festivities. How long are you going to stay up there for? Uh, she's got her first set of orientation goes from Tuesday night to Thursday, and then the parent version is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. So we'll be up there till Sunday. And then you're uh, you're you're driving back then. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, that, that'll be that'll be wonderful, wonderful conversation on the way back. <laughs> Yeah. And now we're empty nesters. Yeah, the, the change. I, you know, this is the one fantastic thing about higher education, Edgar, or any kind of education, is that there is a sense of renewal and a sense of, of, of new beginnings and startovers every, every fall. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really difficult, you know, now that I teach in our, in our MBA program and we teach online, um, there is no new starts, no transitions and I just finished up an eight-week class that the grades will be due later this week. It ended yesterday. I start another one today. Um, and we'll go like that for six straight months, you know. It's a different rhythm. Totally different rhythm. I, You know, for me as a teacher, it's really this uh, constancy. Like, it's just so, you know, I look in there at the assignments that are turned in and knowing that I owe them, I owe them meaningful feedback that they can use to improve their thinking. And it's so difficult to do at that length of time, right? Six months straight, no breaks, no Thanksgiving breaks, no, no, no nothing. Um, it's difficult to, to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. That makes me, I, I thought a little bit about that as we, as we near closing out the summer and vacations and the way things have been for the last couple of years and the level of people working from at home, wondering if there's a different... Um, there must be different psychological um, element to not going on vacation uh, or vacationing at home or going on vacation and coming home again instead of going to an office or to work somewhere. It just feels very different. You know, you and I had a, a unique conversation last week with, with a group we're working with, and we had a cohort of of, of management-level folks and Great stuff. Really, those that kind of discussion about the how vacation is stressful, like the inability to relax, and then vacations are cut short because you're you're trying to catch up when you get back, and you know whether or not they're bringing computers and answering emails, and you know what they're what they're leaving behind. You know, we began, and I keep coming back. We began from the Great Resignation. And part of that conversation was the idea that people were not getting something they needed at work. And and the conditions had changed so much. And, and really today, Edgar, we want to talk a little bit about 
resiliency and perseverance and talk through what those things mean in terms of the alignment framework, what's going on personally and yeah. And the whole idea overall of, you know, what is resilience? Cause it's used and it's been so popularized in a way that I think most people think of resilience as moving through change or moving through the con- the constant change that we are in as well as then the pressures of everything from the pandemic and the way that work is shifting and changing and that we're all a part of that. And so how do we maintain some sense of resilience and what does that mean? And it, and it can mean a couple of things. One, of course, resilience can be about survival. Uh, another one is that resilience can be about self-change. It can be about resilience to um, not becoming misaligned with all the different pressures and forces that are coming at us. Yeah, I have a, a colleague of mine, Beth Coniglia, Dr. Beth Coniglia. She's an environmental sociologist, and she studied uh, resiliency down in New Orleans uh, post-Katrina. And, and as the, the way she thinks about resiliency in a, um, in a system like that as an environmental sociologist is the ability to bend and, and come back to where you were before. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's there's something about the the flexibility, but the the regaining the regaining of something that you had previously. And as we talk about this long haul of the pandemic, the, the changes in work, the changes of, of of what's happening in our personal lives, in our professional lives, you know, this idea of maybe we need a little bit different definition of resiliency because I. You know, a little bit. I think it's kind of like when you when you lose a family member, and and everybody's there, mm-hmm. and and they're so so supportive, right? And then everybody goes back to the normal things they do, and and kind of that support wanes a little bit. And I think really that's when you figure out personally if you can deal, if you can deal with that. If you're, you know, if you use. Uh, Beth Coniglia's definition of, of resiliency and you come back to the exact place you had been before. I mean, I wonder if that's even a realistic expectation or we ought to curb that kind of expectation. Yeah, I think we ought to because every time you go through an experience uh, you're in any kind of emotional shift, it's going to have an impact and effect on you. So the idea of resiliency and coming back to the way things were, I will, yeah, I agree with you. That's not a re- very realistic um mindset or picture that we can we can work from that's a really tough one I, I i think it overall it's disappointing i think when people do think that way they're disappointed yeah i'm going to have it just the way it was no not going to happen and so there's a certain level of disappointment that comes with that um i think today today's a good day to get uh, super personal here so i'm going to i'm going to share something that's a little bit uh, out there um, but I'll, I'll come back to this conversation, I promise. So, For you, super has a wide range, so go ahead. <laughs> I mean that in a good way. It's usually testing the boundaries. So I, uh, my, my family and I, we belonged uh, to a church when we lived in Colorado Springs, a fantastic community of people that are still our, still our tremendously close friends. And, and, and the, one of the gentlemen who came on to run the youth ministry used to run some things for the adults once in a while. And, and he ran this one session after, after church on a Sunday morning that was about the image of the crucifix 
and, and what that brought to mind. And, and I, you know, I've been trying to figure this out about myself for many, many, many years. I've gone through some spiritual direction. And the oddest thing to me is we were asked to explain what the image of the crucifix meant to us. And, and all my friends, all of them, every single one of them had some version of that happened so that I could go about my life. Right? It was almost kind of a, that allows me to do something. And it's so different than, than, that, than what that image brings up to me. I mean, and I don't, whether this is my um, extreme blue-collar, lower, lower, middle-class upbringing or what, I don't, I don't know. But that image to me was kind of, this is supposed to be a toil. You are supposed to be in, in the, you're supposed to mire through this life. You're going to have to carry some burdens. You're going to have to do this. And I, I think that's something I've done somewhere along my life to have that responsibility to feel like I need to carry, carry some kind of weight. And, and, you know, I think as we talk about this, this conversation about resilience, you know what, I'm actually happy to, to feel that way for certain certain times but I'm getting to the point now where I want to see that there's light on the other side like you do it for a reason not the reason just can't be to carry a burden consistently I mean and I've had I've had conversations with my bosses over the year when they say you know what do you over the years what do you want and I say I just don't want to push rocks uphill forever Mm. I I think there's a lot to be said for that especially if we want to talk about the topic of resilience. What do we carry with us? And is resilience always representative of uh, some toil or some challenge that we have or some weight that we carry with us or expected to? And then to what degree are we willing to carry that? Um, and I And I think that often speaks a lot to leaders as well. And the idea of resilience is that uh, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be able to do this. I'm supposed to be able to make the decisions, carry the weight for others, hold on to the responsibility regardless. And is that then a part of the definition of resilience that we need to probably explore a little bit more? Because at times we can do ourselves a great disservice by hanging on to things. It goes back to live well, love well, and learn to let go. And at what level are we able to let go, and especially of our own fears? I do think that in resilience itself, there's there are the um, the images of courage and fortitude, and carry on, you know, carry on the day, keep moving forward, keep, keep moving on forward, trucking. yeah, keep on trucking. And then there's at some level underneath that, there's a constant fear that accompanies that whether it's a fear of failure, whatever it is that I, that I can't keep moving forward, there's an ongoing fear. And so is part of resilience then the ability to be vulnerable to that fear, to be able to call it for what it is. So your example of uh, the crucifix and looking at it through the lens of um, you know, toiling and what am I, what can I? or ought to be toiling with, and how much do I carry that weight? 
because at some at some level there's there's a fear of letting it go or letting someone down or letting ourselves down which i think in our modern expressions of resilience is there you know we ought not to let ourselves down we need to keep moving forward you know what does that look like it's a really interesting part of who we are isn't it yeah i think that you know that struggle Edgar, with with self and 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 perhaps even selfishness creeping in there you know our 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 presentations of leadership are the smartest, longest, and hardest working. Um, you know, they're just always present. I, as I've taken on some new leadership roles recently, um, one of the things that drives me absolutely out of my mind <laughs> is is when, you know, the people that report to me say things like, we don't want to be like you. We don't know how you're doing all of these things. Not, my intent is not to do all those things. I just don't know another way. I just don't know, know another way yet. Yeah. But that's how it's perceived. And then the idea of, you know, you see some people that are typically, you know, older and their advice is you need to slow down and take some time for yourself. I mean, and that's when we have, we're having that conversation with that management team. And they said, you know, we, we can't even figure out how to take time for ourselves. I mean, one person said to us just bluntly, I find a place that has no cell phone reception. Like I just have to go where I cannot be found. That's my only, that's the way I need to disconnect. off the grid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally. <laughs> yeah. I hear a couple of things in that. Uh, the first one is, is um, there's this really basic element, which is managing expectations, right? And so... There's an alignment piece here that's really, really it got a lot to it and a lot of power and energy to it. And that is, what expectations do I have of myself that align to my belief and my perspective and perceptions of who I am? And then uh, what are the choices that I make? And then there's how do I articulate those in relationship to others in my life? So I have my expectation of self and then uh, the expectation that others have in your case, it's that others now carry an expectation of you that you get a lot done and you're going to be doing a lot. And they're going to probably count on you at some level in a predictable way that you're always going to show up. You'll take on the things. And, you know, while they're telling you to slow down, you're still setting an expectation for the pace that you're carrying. And it's really difficult to sh- make create a shift, shift from that until you have a conversation with others about it. You know, there's there's that piece of it. There's another part of that that comes to mind, and I uh, want to be clear that I don't think it it's it's yours, but I do think that resiliency and the expectation of resiliency can also show up in different forms of disappointment or contempt or resentment, uh, because uh, there, and and I think this also can be part of what happens to people in leadership positions that appear to be resilient to others, quote-unquote resilient, mm-hmm. right? And by different forms of definition, here's resiliency, and others aren't keeping up. And when others aren't keeping up, does that mean that there's going to be a sense of dissatisfaction or contempt for those that, that don't? And on the flip side, might people hold the really truly resilient person who's shining in resilience, you know, is bathing in it, uh, and have contempt towards them because... You know, there's always going to be that hierarchical aspect of who's outperforming who. And yep. what does that look like? 
And is there an expectation that I, you ought to keep up? I mean, that can permeate through the culture of a team and organization, top down. You know, there's the role model. There's the person that we're all supposed to kind of be like, you know. And when people aren't, or they decide not to be, that can create some some tension or some conflict. Yeah. I know the thing that I'm looking for most from my colleagues is not to keep up the same pace, but to to pick up and carry some of the, to share, share the load. I mean, I, I think that's really what it is. Sometimes organizations, in order to be perceived by their customers as, as standing for something, providing a level of service, you have to create a collection of things to, to have that perception be some reality. Um, and I, you know, this, over the course of my career, I mean, I remember being invited to come into this business school and, you know, telling that dean that I didn't think I was the right person. And he said, uh, you have little support and little budget. And whenever somebody wants to get something done, they say, call Ken. And, I, you know, I'm extremely flattered by that. I mean, I'd never thought about it in that way because I just, you know, that's just natural to me. But I think this is the, this is why I made the leap into this business school was, Let's just ask why not. Let's let's put it in play. We can smooth out the rough edges later. Um, we can see if it works, and if it doesn't work, we can stop doing those things. Um, but I, you know, I think in terms of resilience, that is the hardest attitude. That is the hardest attitude to to keep. That is a couple of things in what you just said that I think are worthwhile just noting, breaking it down just for a moment. The first one is. Um, the idea of resiliency, resiliency in the uh, in the individual as well as the group context. In other words, there's an individual resiliency, and then there's a collective. And I think it is. I think in especially in today's world, with the rapid rate of change and the increasing pace of change, I think it's great to have that conversation. Let's not just talk about resiliency. Let's define what it looks like and what it looks like behaviorally, and what expectations that we have of one another. Because if part of our group uh, maintains this form of resiliency that we charge forward no matter what, and not everybody's on the same page or aligned to that, that can be real problematic, let alone what our expectations are just on an individual basis of one another. I think it's a great idea to stop, pause, and spend a little time just on the topic of resiliency change and how it is that we work through it collectively as well as individually what that means to all of us. I think that's it great place, a great place to play. Um, I also uh, think that um, when you think about step-by-step, I think so often we see resiliency as, you know, we're constantly, you know, hitting up against something or something happens, an event occurs, um, and then we've got to come back from it. You you mentioned New Orleans. Uh, Struggles come and struggles go, and the watermarks remain. So I think it's important for us to recognize that as events occur, there is going to be a residual. There's going to be a, uh, it becomes part of our um, collective experience. And I think that's important to recognize. And that the struggles come and the struggles go, that references that we're going to continuously be moving, striving to move forward. And yet at the same time, we can expect that something is going to come at us again. And, and every time that struggle comes and 
New Orleans, the watermarks remain, is we'll carry the memories and we'll carry pieces of that experience, both intellectually and emotionally with us. And so that, I think, becomes important as to be able to look at ourselves and see how we're always going to have something manifesting in front of us that creates challenge. And sometimes the best form of resilience is not the obvious, is that we take the small steps, we continuously move forward, we continuously question, solve problems, and find new ways to deal with what we can at some level expect to be the next experience. And, and perhaps that's the, that's the definition of perseverance, right? is the ability to take that next step and ask that question. Not to not to take the conditions and necessarily accept them, but perseverance as asking the next question, taking the next step, even if it's a very small one. I mean, because I you know, I, I the the heroics the heroics yeah. of, of leadership and perseverance and resilience is I mean that's kind of I mean that's especially in here in the United States, that American way. Right. I mean, is uh, I mean, even in the entrepreneurial world, we talk about bootstrapping stuff. Right. I mean, which has a which has a um, a, a racially charged connotation, actually. Um, right. That word itself. But it is the idea that, you know, out of the muck, you will lift yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, I think the heroics uh, are what play a great part in the perceptions that we have of resilience because we look for those around us and sometimes it's it's not a matter of someone showing up as being a hero rather than as a collective heroism at play. Mm-hmm. You, know, you keep, on, keep on moving it forward, keep on trying to make it better. I think we see that in so many different ways in today's world. <coughs> Even in the social aspects of what we're dealing with. Yeah. It's easy. I, I think that the, the thought of it's easy to give up also presents its own challenges, because sometimes great resilience is I don't keep trying to you know push the rock up the hill. I don't. I stop pushing it and I figure out a different way. Right. Um, resilience to me is also one of the great initiators of innovation. So we begin to look at things differently. Letting go isn't always the same as giving up. Is there a place, Edgar, that in your experience in working with all of these companies and all of these leaders, I mean, I love that idea of let's pause, let's take stock, let's let's look at this, you know, critically and, and, and roll it around in our proverbial fingers and see if there's a different path for us to take uh, instead of just the, the force, right? I mean, I think there's a force behind that idea of resilience as well. Right. I mean, that pushing of the rock is just right. I mean, it's brute, it's brute force in some sense. But so many organizations. I mean, I can bring in so much so much here, the idea that how much data exists in the world that can help you make different kinds of decisions. But so many organizations have a path. And they're going on that path come hell or high water. And, And I think that this is the this is really part of the employee experience that was exacerbated by, by the pandemic is that people were saying, wait a minute, I need to see myself. They actually wanted to take a little bit of that pause and restock. Um, a lot of the message now is, um, okay, we've passed that point. 
and I and I love what you said about about New Orleans and about the watermark still remain. Because I think that that is the uh, I find this so many times in my professional life. A lot of leaders are like, I took the time to have the conversation about X. Insert whatever you want in here: diversity, culture, innovation. Like they know they're supposed to have those conversations. They actually just don't know what to do. And so, so, <laughs> so I'm going to not do a movie reference this week. I'm going to do a TV show reference because this is one of my favorite episodes of this, of this television show, Seinfeld, right? Which is, which is of my youth. So, so listeners, please forgive me for no movie reference, but. Jim is smiling (laughs) an expectation here. But, but the, but the car rental episode, do you know this one? So, so Jerry and Elaine, I forget where they're going to, but they had reserved a car and they're at the, they're at the car rental counter and, and she says, and, and Jerry says, you know, we have a, a car reserved for Seinfeld. And she says, well, I'm sorry, sir. Like, we have no cars available. And he says, what? You know, you know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to keep the reservation, which is the most important part of the reservation, <laughs> right? That's what you actually reserved. And, 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 you know, I just, the inaneness of something we've all experienced um, right. Which is who knows why those things happen, but this is, well, and, here, and I'll bring in the movie reference now. Okay. okay. Cause this triggers another thought. I've used this one a Thank lot. Thank you for being so resilient with yourself. <laughs> the karate kid. Uh-huh. Right. So the, the original karate kid movie, um, the, the way they meet, is Mr. Miyagi is the handyman and he comes in to fix the sink in the apartment and 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 Daniel is teaching himself karate from the book. Mm-hmm. And he has he's curious about this like, you know, can you really learn karate from a book? And I think leadership is like this sometimes. Like I I've I've experienced it personally like somebody went to a course and they, you know, the leader learns about giving feedback in a sandwich, so you know, hey, Edgar, that's a sharp outfit you have today. Hey, I really need you to get into the office on time. And, man, I hope your football team w- wins this weekend. <laughs> right? <laughs> I've heard leaders. I mean, it's just like the cookbook version. And I've seen this time and time again. And I think in the modern time, there's so much coming at us right now as a culture. And people know they're supposed to stop and have the conversations. But they don't know what to do with the conversations. And, and I think as we talk about resilience, I mean, the resilience of the employees are to, I mean, here's, here's the cynical conversation. The resilience of the employee is now to accept that the leader is going to make an overt motion towards something new and never do anything about it. And they just have to accept it. This brings me brings me to a thought that um, I'm hoping is helpful, and that is that part of that conversation is not just to it is yeah to, that you can start the conversation. The idea being is what does it look like, and I think that and I think this has a lot to do with our perspectives on resilience too. Great. Uh, if you're going to move it forward in some way, and you want to have that kind of a conversation, um, don't don't just push on the rock. Don't just don't just keep moving forward. I think you have to stop, pause, and I think the best pause you can make is to listen. 
I think so much of when we see people acting in resilient ways, what they're doing is they're opening up and getting a better idea of what's happening in their environments and, and the context of their own and better understanding it. I think sometimes we think somebody just keeps moving it forward, keeps moving it forward in the same way. I don't think that's true. I think that uh, people are looking for different levers. Those that are resilient, resilient are looking for even sometimes what's the smallest change in motion that I can make? What are some of the small changes that I need to engage in so I can keep moving it forward, that I can be resilient? Is resilience a, is it a meta thing instead of a physical thing? Is it that you have to pause and you have to examine, you have to examine things in a whole as opposed to just forward motion? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Someone was telling me recently about getting their their um, child a, a running coach. And so the person was a natural gifted athlete, ran really fast, and then um, and then just kept on trying to get faster and faster and wasn't having a whole lot of success until they went and found themselves a running coach. And the running coach just made some small changes in the running style, the running technique of their child and had an what he thought was just a more than significant effect, which then, of course, shows up in a lot of different ways. Confidence you know, of, of the child and, and the ability to, to perform at a higher level. And I think you are constantly looking for those small changes. And I think if you're really going to be resilient, I think paying attention to the to the people around you and the and and having a deeper um, uh, desire to explore the context that you're in that ha- makes it makes all the difference. Edgar, is there an oscillation between uh, group and personal? So, you know, this idea that as you as you continue to we're using this reference of pushing the rock. As you continue to push the rock, so many people deal with it by retreating personally to figure some stuff out about themselves. Um, and but you're talking about doing this collectively with collaboratively, in, 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 collaboratively yeah. with a group. And so, um, is there an oscillation of when to do each one of those? That's interesting. Oscillation might put it in order of. Um, I think there's probably different ways to look at that. I think it's a continuum. I, uh, from my experience, I think there is the ongoing, where at times I can retreat to myself, I suppose, and want to solve a problem alone. And then there's times that yeah, you you need to reach out and and work with others. I think in today's world, the working with others far outweighs, and especially in a business context, an organizational context. I think working together far outweighs the the individual effort. So so often, um, and I think this is part of one of the ways that we think in our brain works, is that we can look inwardly. It's much like picking my head up from a smartphone. We now know that people that are working through their smartphones or their tablets a lot are actually limiting their perspective. And so you have a limited degree to which you can solve a problem or see something. I think you've got to be able to pick your head up and see everything that's going on around you. And that includes then how you engage others. That engaging others is where the information, that's where the, where the, you can have data, how you interpret and how you see the value of that data. 
I think is in most in just about every case I've ever seen is is when you start sharing that data and getting people's ideas and their thoughts about that data is when it really comes to life. Am I hearing you say that what we all must do is break the algorithm that we're slaves to? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, we need to not have a predictable algorithm. We need to throw yeah. the unpredictability. Yeah we, yeah, we do, and we uh, and that's one of the things about the algorithms that we're that uh, we will continue to learn is that the algorithm in of itself is a structured way of looking at information. It's not an expansive way. In so many cases, I think we can make the claim that it's expansive, but we're still we're kind of taking the information and asking it to do what we want it to do, as opposed to what it's really, really going to tell us. Forget who I was just just in a in a workshop with or or something like this that talked about the uh, oh you know I think the dean in our MBA orientation talked about the last election and the Facebook algorithms that didn't allow people to see differing perspectives and that just kept doubling and tripling down with the similarities um, so people people didn't believe there was other information out there because they never were exposed to other information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it can it can limit us, just as it does to just want to you know, be pretty resilient on our own or to move through something. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also a degree of this that is a a piece of mindset that I think that leaders would benefit from uh, thinking about, and that is that um, sometimes the idea of being resilient can mean survival. And you know, it's much like. Uh, to to adapt to changes, to survive, to create changes, to is to succeed, and and I think that there's a great degree of this idea of resilience that that it offers us opportunity more than just survival, and we not we ought not to confuse it and just say, well, resilience is about survival, and then I'm still here. Yeah, you can put it in that context, but resilience is also about creating change, about moving forward. Is that the leap from survival to thriving? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many leaders say that, uh, and I think having the actions, and, and what I'm hearing you say, Edgar, is that you know the best leaders are going to take the time. They're going to take the pause from the survival to re-examine, to get new new information, new perspectives. What's different, and what do we want to make different? Mm-hmm. So much fear in there. It is. That's why I keep. You know, I'll come back to the vulnerability piece. That I think part of uh, part of this resilience is about having having some vulnerability and uh, being able to recognize where the fears are, and being able to tap into that, especially in our own. And and of course, there's collective fear that can can uh, just permeate through a group or a team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What you know? What if it doesn't work? I I've I've heard that question so many times. <laughs> Uh, and all I want to say is, okay, and we'll do something different. Like I, you know, I think that is the, uh, um, you know, I know I've always had that kind of internal arrogance that if it doesn't work, then we'll do something different. No big deal. Yeah. And part of resilience is the messaging of try and try and try and try again. Uh, I think uh, if you're going to keep trying, I think you've got to be able to find different ways to do it. Yeah, or else you we get into that. Einstein's Einstein, definition, right? There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all crazy anyway. Yeah. Likely, likely true. Well, as uh, as uh, comes to, uh, we're at the 
with the time frame again. So um, some reminders for you out there that are listening. First and foremost, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. Keep in mind that you can reach out to us at info at truelignment.com. All your thoughts, comments, questions, as always, are welcome. Uh, let us hear from you, and you'll hear back from us. And, um, yeah, wish you all the best as you uh, engage in your own resilience in the world. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, as you heard today, we're just uh, pondering and wondering. And I think that's, if you have a topic you want us to ponder and wonder on, we'd love to hear about it. Thanks, Edgar. I'm Ken Sagendorf. I'm Edgar Papke. Thanks for joining the True Alignment Podcast. See you next time around.